entertaining to me. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing great. Hey, uh, welcome to the program, Lisa. Man, uh, time. Uh, it seems so subjective these days, and um, uh, everyone has a different view of, of time. So tonight, Lisa, we want to talk to you about your book, All the Time in the World. Uh, let's just uh, start by introducing yourself and get in and talk about your book. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, and thank you so much for being on the show. I'm Lisa Broderick, and I have studied time ever since I had an accident, a near-death experience at the age of four. And, uh, you know, a classic uh, experience where there wasn't a white light, but I was able to be aware of things that uh, I wouldn't normally be aware of in terms of I was unconscious, but I knew what was happening around me. I fell through a plate glass window in northern Arizona near the Grand Canyon and uh, bled out at the scene. But anyway, I came back and was and now I was a little girl and full of life, but I realized I had a superpower, mm. and that was I had a special relationship with time. So fast forward 50 years, I've studied a lot about it. Quantum mechanics has become much more known and in the fore. And I've studied ancient spiritual mystical traditions and realized that time is not what we think. And my book, All the Time in the World, is sort of the sum total of my research on that, which explains what time is, the science, what it isn't, and how we might be able to control it for ourselves. Hmm. So you, you said you had a near-death experience? That's right. So did you leave your body? Yes, I did. And where did you go? Well, I was above it. So I was a I was a childhood death averted, which some mystical cultures, you know, consider as a thing. I didn't really know that at the time. And so, having felt fallen through a plate glass window, I was impaled on a plate glass window uh, where I, which I fell through after I was jumping on a bed that rolled away in the White Mountains in Arizona. Yes, I did just say that. And um, as I was being taken off the window, I do recall being uh, conscious, but of course I was not conscious. Mm. However, I remember the window and I remember the station wagon and the ride to the country facility, which was not a hospital in, uh, in nor much very, very far North Arizona, Northern Arizona in the 1960s. And then um, I can remember looking down on the, uh, on the place where I was being operated on. Uh, from above, I remember things about the room, the medicine cabinet, etc. I do not remember seeing myself, which is actually very common. Usually, don't see yourself. And um, then I, I was um, I was back in my body in no time, and don't remember much after that, except mm -hmm. that I woke up and I was in a body cast. And uh, but again, had this special relationship with time. Hmm. Okay, and welcome to the show, freely speaking, and Mishcom. Appreciate you joining the the, the broadcast. You have a question for Lisa and. Uh, talking about all the time in the world, just uh, click on the link at the top of the menu of the website. It says guest question or put your question in the live chat on the website or in our live streaming YouTube channel. Well, Lisa, uh, how long do you think you were dead in this near-death experience? You know, it's hard to say. So, again, I remember the, there was the instance, and then, again, you lose all sense of time, which is why it's so interesting. I heard a saying, all of life is a near-death experience. <laughs> right? Yeah. Taking time that which we most value. So why do we know so little about it? Mm -hmm. Right? And so my work was really an intent to change that. The truth is, I don't know, it could have been a couple of hours. Again, I woke up much later on after the operation, if you will, after I remember the room distinctly and could draw it to this day. And you know, uh, Daniel, uh, memories are a funny thing. They grow and change over time, right? And so they're informed by, by current experience going back, but I have this same memory for the last 50 years. So there's something about this memory. Certainly the incident happened. I've confirmed that. With that said, could have been out for a couple of hours and then, um, you know, in this, in this state, and then what probably was unconscious after that. 
and then woke up again and was back in my body and went on not like nothing happened the world was different and the world was different in terms of how I how I could perceive time I understood time I'd have dreams about slow down time and as a child I could slow down the field and mm -hmm. slowing down the field when you're a little six, six, seven, eight-year-old running around with a soccer ball could be a very useful thing. <laughs> now, today, athletes do it all the time. Mm -hmm. Well, if you've been to our website, you may have noticed we do have a guest topic poll, which is uh, the title is Your Thought on Time. And the choices for that poll question, which people are already responding to, is one, I want to slow it down. Two, it's a human construct. Three, there's never enough. Four, it seems to be it seems to vary in speed. Uh, it doesn't exist in the afterlife. It's just an illusion. Or some people may claim to be a time traveler. So the results of that right now, uh, Lisa, uh, we don't have any time travelers, but we have 54% say that it seems to vary in speed, and 28% says it doesn't exist in the afterlife. And a tie for I want to slow it down, and there's never enough. Well, having all the time in the world. Um, does that mean we get to add time, or we're just better managers? Well, and so this is how I came upon my formula. And in studying time, if you will, going forward from that experience as a little girl and my own many, many, many experiences, in particular of slow down time, it's easy to experience speeded up time, right? Because mm -hmm. that happens. We are, we're in a project, and we look up, and suddenly hours have passed. With that said, slow down time is a unique thing. And so I started to study other people who'd had experiences of slow down time. Because in my book, as I recount, bowling while the age of eight and a car crash and other kinds of things, these, ex these experiences of flow state seem to happen randomly. What I really wanted to know was whether we could control them. And what I figured out, I believe, is that it's a brainwave state. And it's a brainwave state that our brain gets into, which is a meditative state, but we're awake. But it, 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 it begs the question or begs this formula. Time is a material thing. It is. Time exists because things change. Right, no change, no time. We'll set that aside. So there's a physical component of time, but there's also a perception component of time. As Einstein famously said, when you're with a pretty girl, an hour seems like a minute. When your hand's on a hot stove, a minute seems like an hour. That's the perception time that we're all well aware of. If we could control better the perception part of that equation, then we could control time, and that is what the book is about. Hmm. Slowing down time, keeping <clears throat> it up's easy, but slowing it down in particular. Okay. Uh, all right, we have this question from our chat here. It says, Lisa, are you familiar with the Mandela effect and it's relate and it, if it's related to time travel or timeline manipulation? Well, and I do have a theory about that. I am familiar with the Mandela effect. So imagine we have deja vu, right? You have an experience mm -hmm. that it's already happened. What if there's the converse of deja vu? Not happened yet. That's mm -hmm. the Mandela effect. Mm -hmm. So how might that be, right? And so I have an, ex an explanation of time travel that's rooted in science. And it is not discounted by any scientific theory. And so, first of all, time travel exists in quantum mechanics. We all know that, right? Mm -hmm. And so the idea that you could, even, even Einstein acknowledged, who was not a believer in time travel, acknowledged that his Einstein-Rosen bridge, which is a wormhole, could allow for time travel in space. But what about time travel in the United States? Daniel, here's how it might happen. So I'm going to tell a story or explain uh, some, a little bit about science, and we're all about science here on the show. So we all know about waves, right? Sure. Waves. So there's sound Nothing. waves and gravity waves and electromagnetic waves, all mm -hmm. kinds of waves, right? So let's imagine, and waves are the same, they're waves. Waves have amplitude, which is the height, and frequency, which is the frequency that it occurs over time, right? The x-axis. So imagine we're going to consider a sound wave for now. Not a light wave, but a sound wave. 
So I tell the story of two perfectly tuned flutes. A flute playing the, new, the note C, perfectly tuned to the note C, it'll begin to play and we could all hear it because we can hear sound waves, right? Okay. Imagine that a second flute came in which was perfectly tuned to the first flute. We would hear the second flute for a moment, wouldn't we? But then what would happen? What happens is phase. Phase is the synchronicity of waves tending to synchronize with one another so that after a moment we would not hear two flutes we would hear one flute they would be in phase okay. what about daniel if time can go out of phase what about when you when i died i was slightly behind or ahead of in terms of time what if i was some i was here but somewhere else and what about et's and time travelers and everything else have the ability or somehow accidentally end up out of phase it would explain a lot. It would explain all supernatural phenomena. It would explain why people experience these time slips. You know, there's, a, there's things going around the internet and a lot of it's not true, but people have experiences of lost time mm -hmm. where they accidentally travel back in time or forward in time. A big global community of believers that this happens. I've experienced it myself. What about if these time slips are simply being out of phase? So the, the, the analogy of the two flutes is, is quite uh, intriguing if you applied it to time. If we were able to be out of phase in time, for instance, someone who died was simply out of phase, you wouldn't see them. Or, as happens a lot, people see their loved ones for an instant or something <coughs> for an instant out of the corner of their eye, and they no longer see it. Why? Mm. Did it really disappear, mm -hmm. or was it out of phase? Mm -hmm. One more thing about time travel. So if you were able to travel back a second or six seconds or even a fraction of a second, Daniel, in time, would you be on the same place on Earth? No, of course not. The Earth is rotating. The Earth is moving around the sun. The sun's moving around the solar system. The solar system's moving around the galaxy. You'd be in a different place. So someone who could control time would actually control the ability to travel physically. Mm -hmm. And you know, these are questions to ponder. The truth is, Time is the biggest mystery in physics. It's a mis one of the biggest mysteries in science. No one really knows, and from the multiverse theory to the block theory to quantum loop gravity, all of the different theories of time, they're all speculation, but one day, Daniel, we will know. Yeah. I believe we will, and this yeah. book is my offering about how that might happen. Okay. Well, while you were offering that conversation, we had numbers of questions coming in for you, Lisa. This one here says, Lisa... Awesome. When you woke up from being dead, did your consciousness wake first, and did you become self-aware of your life-death predicament before you opened your eyes? Well, that is a, an excellent question, and thank you for answering. Since that time, I've had a number of experiences like that, and I wasn't dead, and I wasn't in a death experience. What I believe happens is your brain, it's, it's all about the brain. The brain is a fabulous computer, right? It can be explained in terms of cellular functions and neurochemical interactions, but that does not explain human consciousness, right? The total is much more than the sum of the parts. So when I had a death experience, and by the way, I've studied at the Monroe Institute. The Monroe Institute is the foremost institute in the world for out-of-body travel and for consciousness exploration. So when I had a death experience at a very early age, it's possible my brain changed forever so that I was able to experience these other experiences of, let's say, out-of-body travel and have it seem somewhat normal. Mm -hmm. And I have awakened, so to answer the, the uh, caller's question, I have awakened from one of those experiences and my consciousness awakens first. 
and then other things start to happen, a physical awareness. So for instance, seeing through closed eyelids is very common for out-of-body experiences. I've ha that actually has happened to me. An experience of the void. The void is nothingness, but you're conscious, where you're everything and nothing all at the same time. So the answer to the question is, I, as a child, I don't remember, I was way too young, but many decades later, your consciousness awakens first, would be my experience of it. Hmm. All right. Uh, Azur says, Lisa, are dreams to be interpreted against real life? And if not, are they to be totally dismissed? That is a fascinating question. And it's related to time. And so does anybody ever remember time passing in a dream? Or are you just kind of there? So back to an original question in your poll. And that is, when in, in a consciousness state, is there any time? And I believe there is not any time. It is the now. And back to many, many spiritual traditions, ancient mystical traditions, believe there only is the now, right? Mm -hmm. And a concept that there, the time is a forward arrow is actually a relatively new concept. So we'll set that all aside. Well, let's go back to dreams. And so I interpret dreams as this. I interpret dreams as the ability for us to uh, map our consciousness in a, in a way that's very personal to us. Now I've studied dream imagery and dream interpretation for 20 years with the, uh, the well-known uh, teacher of Western spirituality, Dr. Jerry Epstein. And so for me, in my experience of dreams, I would have a dream. So for instance, last night I had a dream and I was with my mother who has passed away and my mother appeared to be about 30. Now if anybody has studied uh, near-death experiences or out-of-body experiences or experiences where they, they experience people who have died, most people appear to about 30. So I thought that was quite interesting. And also I was lucid in my dream, which is a something that I have learned over time and anybody can learn to be lucid. Lucid in your dream is where you know you're dreaming. So you're in a dream and you know that you're dreaming, mm -hmm. meaning you can control the dream. It's really, really wonderfully powerful. So I'm in my dream, I know that I'm dreaming. I'm with my mother who is, has died and my sister as she appears now. And I reach into the refrigerator and I pull out some spices which appear to be there. And I look inside and they're very old. I don't know how they got there, it was my refrigerator. And there was a worm in there. And it, I didn't know if it was dead or alive. And so I took, it, I took it out of the cabinet and I set it down in the garden and the worm turned into a black snake and slithered away. Now that's some symbolism, right? I don't sure. happen to think snakes are bad. My dad was an amateur herpetologist, so I happen to like snakes. But that's clearly a dream of the unconscious, the subconscious, if you will. And so if I were going to interpret that dream, I would look up symbolism for snakes. I would consider what a black snake considered uh, was for me. A spice is the spice of life. It's not something that you live on. It wasn't food. And my mother and sister being there, someone who is from my present and from my past, right, and someone who has crossed over, I would interpret that dream to be quite mystical. And again, I don't really know the symbolism. I haven't had a chance, chance to think about it. I had a very busy day. But if I were to interpret that, I would be able to interpret that for my life going forward. Mm -hmm. Things I'm either worried about, things I'm aspirational about. There are dreams, there are prophetic dreams, which happen frequently for people. You know, and there are dreams of the void. There are dreams of things we can't even know about. So I think dreams are important and they should not be dismissed. Short answer. Hmm. And we have a couple of people mentioned they're really trying to listen intently, but they can't listen as fast as you talk. So maybe we just slow, <laughs> sl slow it down a little bit. Uh, I apologize. I'm so, so, to be here. so yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, everybody wants more time. 
And uh, does this now just uh, normally in a person's life, it's said that time goes faster. Is that true? Well, it is true, but it's true for not for the reason we would think. And so, and again, these are all speculation. The brain, the fabulous computer, not that much is known about it. But as as children, our brains are very agile. They're developing. And the brains, if this is the theory, the brains take a lot of pictures. They have a lot of memories, right? And they store the memories. And so if each memory were a card in a deck and you were to thumb through the deck, it would take a long time to go through it. That's your childhood. But later on, as an adult, your, your brain takes fewer pictures. It has fewer memories. The deck is thinner. So it takes less time to thumb through the deck, right, if you were shuffling the deck. That is why the theory is that time appears to, to pass more quickly as you age. As your brain, quite frankly, sorry, Daniel, becomes a little more feeble. Whoa. And Whoa, I know it does. That's the theory. I'm not saying I agree with it. Me too. I've been in this body fifty-something uh, years, so my brain's not at what well, not what it was when I was six. But my card deck might be a little short these days because I'm taking fewer pictures. And the theory is that's why time appears seems to us to travel more quickly, pass more quickly when we age rather than when we are a child. Hmm. Okay. All right. We have this question here. Lisa says Monday always seems to go by go by faster than Friday. Does it have to do with God slowing down time at the end of the week? I think it has to do with you slowing down time at the end of the week. And so here's the thing, back to the card deck. If we take a lot of pictures of things, we're going to perceive that time passes more slowly. So imagine you're staring at something. You know, you're staring at a clock face, and the clock face is moving. Time would appear to be moving very slowly. If you are busy throughout your day and simply going through tasks, and you take one picture in the morning and one picture in the evening, it's going to go very quickly. So that, I would say that's the difference between Monday and Friday. And back to the fact that one aspect of time is, one way to think about it, time is our experience of moving around. Things moving around and us moving around. A lot of movement, right? Right. There's a lot, if there's a lot of movement, then time appears to pass quickly. If there's very little movement, then time appears to pass slowly. And so that may be the difference between Monday and Friday. All right, and uh, more questions are coming in for us. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, Max Fulgham, welcome to the program. Um, Freely Speaking says, Lisa, does time have a definite form, a, a typology? And, uh, and that's a great question. It is a great question. You know, some people say that time has moods and it's alive. You know, I've spoken with firemen who would say that an element in our world, fire, has moods and it's alive. The answer is we don't know. You know, time is maybe... Well, I've thought about this. So imagine there is, imagine you're looking at water fall from a faucet. And every, you know, you see it as a stream of water. But really, it is six trillion, billion, quadrillion molecules bumping in e into each other in a violent way, the mm -hmm. water molecules, right? Mm -hmm. What if each one of those molecules is us? Or what if each one of those molecules is our world or a thought? And the truth is, we don't have the perspective you talk about dimensions. Dimensions are the ability to measure something. Time is measured as a dimension, right? A fourth dimension. But the truth is, we, not, we may not be able to measure things finely enough to really know what time is and to know what time is and all these other experiences. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That would be my sense of it. Mm -hmm. So that makes time something, it's not unknowable, but it's certainly something we don't know a lot about yet. 
Alrighty, and we've got this uh, from Bear, who gives us the Bear Report every week of uh, ha- uh, very uh, hap- very good happenings in the news. It says, uh, does time have a beginning and an end? Some people believe it does. Okay, so you have the Big Bang, right? Out of nothingness, out of the single, out of a single molecule comes everything, and then everything emanates out from there. There's certainly a lot of scientific data to suggest that the universe is expanding right out from a single point. If that's true, then there would have a beginning and an end. Thinking about that, though, you know, I wrap my head around a lot of things, and wrapping my head around that is a little more challenging because there's a timelessness to existence. So out of body and in the void, there is no time. Does it all suddenly cease to exist? Yeah, where's it go? I would say, where's it go? <laughs> you know, and then and then let's let's just talk about classic physics and the laws of thermodynamics, right? Mm-hmm. So they're contradicting themselves. Conservation of energy, right? Nothing is created or destroyed. It's just changing form, mm-hmm. right? The law of thermodynamics, mm-hmm. entropy. Things go from a state of order to disorder. It's all a puzzle. And I I personally do not believe that time has a beginning and an end. Mm-hmm. I believe it's something different. Although mm-hmm. matter as it moves out from a single point in the Big Bang, the- Big Bang Theory, may. Hmm. Well, one of my one of one of my favorite movies is Stephen King's The Langoliers. Have you ever seen it? I have not. Oh, you got to watch that because in oh, in, in, in in that movie, um, uh, a, a plane is going. It went through some electrical storm, and what happened was it got trapped between the previous moment and the moment ahead, and they had to land. And they landed. There weren't any people there. There was an airport. It all looked like an airport. And then they noticed that the matches wouldn't match, and the coke didn't have any fizz. And then uh, it, it's really a great show. But towards the end, what happens is they, they he kind of describes what happens to time. Is there are these things called the Langoliers. They eat the time so that the next time can appear. So these Langoliers are eating. They're eating everything. They're getting ready to eat the plane. <laughs> they're getting ready to eat the plane, man. And all running to the plane, trying to get out of here because because they will be eaten by time itself. So you know, I don't think we want to be trapped in that kind of time scenario. That is fascinating. But I would say that that's back to phase, Daniel. Right? And so phase. They were out of phase. Yeah, definitely. Somebody, something's out of phase over there. Um, yeah. Now, if you could add time, and uh, as you say, you had all the all the time in the world, uh, <laughs> what would you do with all the time in the world, Lisa? Well, I feel like I have all the time in the world, Daniel, and I'll tell you why. And that is, when you've had an experience where you're here and not here, and so people would call it out of body or mystical or certainly a death experience. Some, and this has been well studied by the Monroe Institute, by the way, Virginia Beach, Virginia, Robert Monroe. And so you, you have a different relationship with time and also what I would call scarce resources. And so uh, when I think about time, the reason people want to know what time it is is because they want to know what to do now. Mm-hmm. And if you, didn't, if you didn't care about or had a different <coughs> relationship with the urgency of what to do now, then you would, in fact, have all the time in the world. Mm-hmm. So I have changed my relationship with time so that I do actually have all the time in the world. Coming up to this broadcast, I'll tell you, we are having a winter storm uh, emergency. I'm in Lake Tahoe. We're about to get a ton of snow, right? I had someone here because I had a, I had a, you know, an appliance break and needed to get supplies and all kinds of other things. And so the fear that all of that would not happen would cause me to have less than all the time in the world. In fact, just the Mm -hmm. opposite. Mm But I approached it as something I call the quantum ballet. The quantum ballet is 
in the in with quantum quantum mechanics and the quantum field imagine the quantum mechanics field is actually our world around us and I want what I want and you want what you want and we're all about and we're in a ballet right we're on a stage so that I may not get everything I want but my fear that I won't get what I want is going to cause chaos it's mm. going to cause me to bump into each other and not be in a fluid ballet. Mm. So what I did was I imagined my day, before I get up every morning, I go through my entire day from beginning to end, as though it's a fluid, wonderful experience, even this wonderful discussion with you. And I create it as a way that it will be as uh, spectacular is a word I love, spectacularly delightful, spectacularly enjoyable, which in fact it is. And even though my day didn't turn out how I wanted, the winter storm and the car and the snow and the appliance, there's still a timelessness to it where if I don't descend into fear, I actually do have all the time in the world. And mm -hmm. that is a precept of the book. Fear removed from the equation does allow us to have all the time in the world. Oh, okay, I'll, I would agree to that somewhat. Uh, does anybody really know what time it is? <laughs> I love that. In fact, I started many interviews with that. The answer is no, and does anybody care? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, if, and here's why. Well, I was going to ask, uh, it looks to me like you put time in a bottle right there. Time in a exactly. Well, you know, I wanted to have wonderful imagery where people could imagine. Again, back to my, back to time is something that rules our life to the greatest extent. Besides gravity, time is a, the number one force in our world that we experience the most rules our lives the greatest and we know the, the least about mm -hmm. and so to help people get their relationship with time I actually say in the book when we master time we master ourselves there's a lot to be said about that mm -hmm. um, well I, I, you said the time has no beginning no end but for somebody it did end because uh, the group the guess who said had a song about it called no time so it sounds to me like they, they could have used some more time. But we've always used that phrase. I, I don't there's no time. Is there time no even time. is there time even when we say there's no time? Is there time? Well, the no time is a projection. And so that is very key to the book. A lot of in the a lot of what I use in the book is imagination, projection, imagery, experiencing things ahead of time. And I do it for this reason. When you think about time in the world and our lives within the world of quantum mechanics, so you have a tiny world of quantum mechanics, so small that could never be seen. In fact, it's mathematically modeled. Now, I will say that in Physics Magazine a couple of months ago, the experiments are pouring in where physicists are proving quantum mechanics is alive in our everyday world. And I don't just mean, I don't just mean computers and lasers, but quantum entanglement for mm -hmm. items as big as that we could see. But in any event, imagine the quantum world is bubbling up and it's bubbling up even more and more and we're able to take advantage of that. When we use our imagination to imagine our day as a timeless, enjoyable experience, when we imagine something ahead of time, a phone call we'd like to get, the check coming in the mail, us having a wonderful conversation with someone, asking your loved one to marry you and having her or him say yes, right? Mm -hmm. if, we, if we do a little bit of work on the front end, isn't that just like the observer effect? Isn't it just like, you know, we're observing an experience out of time in advance of it so that it answers this question. Does how we show up in our minds for every each new moment affect our experience of reality? Quantum mechanics would say yes, because that is the observer effect. Why can't we apply that to our lives? Yeah, I've always asked that question. 
Hey, well, uh, that's what that's what the book suggests us that we do. You, you, you see, you're at uh, Lake Tahoe. I'm in Lake Tahoe. Man, I, w- I was just over there. Is that lake going dry? It does not appear to be going dry. No, okay. It's, uh, it's all right. Seems, deep and pretty, all right. Yeah. Right. Now that Lake Havasu has had a bit of a problem, but Lake Tahoe seems okay. to be okay. All right. Seemed like it was low. All right. I got this question here from Southern Boy. It says. Uh, it looks like it's a Bible quote here. Um, in the Bible, Methuselah is said to live 969 years. Did we have a different time clock back then, or was it a physiological thing? You know, and so imagine this. We, so uh, here's, a, here's a theory of time, which, is, which takes time over millennia. 40,000 years ago, to the extent we know anything that happened 40,000 years ago, man as it existed at the time in whatever form, you know, perceived time to be chaotic. Uh, you know, items, events occurred randomly. We didn't really know. Then, as we combined into social groups, time became cyclical. Right? The cycles mm-hmm. of the season, the day and the night. Mm-hmm. That's how we perceive time. In enlightenment, with science separating itself from spirituality, from religion, as a result of the church, we perceive time to be a forward arrow always pointing forward where the tip is the future and the tail is the past and we're right in the middle somewhere. The truth is that the the nature of time over time, it could be any of the above. And so I think that when you hear stories going back that far, why couldn't it be that there have been many civilizations such as ours? Why couldn't it be that some of the wisdom and some of the things you read about in the Bible, the giants, right? Right. The, The Elohim, all kinds of unexplained things why couldn't it be that they're either stories from a past civilization or actual events which occurred in a past civilization brought forward or artifacts of that civilization which we recorded in our mm-hmm. present time? Mm-hmm. Because time actually is cyclical. And there have been many, many incarnations. How old is the Earth, Daniel? Right? Pretty old. And we're it's, as old as ti- it's as old as time itself. Well, you know, and so we're the only incarnation of sentient beings who've gotten this far. I would think that if you were to say something that was crazy, I would think that's crazy. Hmm. That we're the only civilization on Earth ever, just the first, and we're just spontaneously here, and we're the only civilization in the entire universe that's sentient. Both of those seem a little crazy to me. Yeah. It suggests that a lot of the stories in the Bible may actually be rooted in, in fact stylized in a way so they're handed down from they say from as we say lip to ear where we tell stories which become more and more um more and more embellished over time but maybe rooted in fact mm-hmm. yeah uh, so so i did a i did a google search uh on time in the bible and there are several there are several uh time uh references two times for here we have up on the screen here daniel 221 says he or that being god changes times and seasons of course and it says he sets up kings and and uh, and uh, removes them and he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding so right there it says that god changes time then in isaiah it looks like it says this is interesting here he says behold i will bring the shadow of degrees which has gone down from the sundial 10 degrees backwards right there is negative 40 minutes there god actually move the clock back you talk about adding time so 10 degrees is, is approximately 40 minutes and it looks like uh, uh, on this one here in joshua it, it said the sun stood still and the moon there's there i would say and it said it lasted a whole day it looks like god added um, uh, 24 hours so it seems like he he uh can change time and according to the scripture he said and here's another one where it says 
uh, he added 15 years to somebody's life. So he's he's reversed time, he's added right. years, and he's stopped time. So it seems that God is, seems to be kind of self-declared in charge of time. Well, or a little more better, a little better at time, manipulating time than we are. For sure, right? Mm -hmm. And so, what I would say, so imagine that there that we are not the only life form in the universe, and there we, there was another visitor. They would have to have a pretty good hold on time and how it works in order to even get here, mm -hmm. right? The speed of light is the universe's speed limit, and it's not very fast when you're talking about cro crossing great distances. It would not surprise me that a supreme being, right, God, mm -hmm. would be able would be the controller of time and control time and be able to do things far more in advance than, than we're able to do. Mm. That may not be the case, you know, as we go forward into the future. We're discovering new things every day. We may be able to get better at controlling time, which is what my book hopes to uh, to begin to explain. All right. Many more questions coming in for you. Uh, this is from uh, Red Rose. says, if energy can't be created or destroyed, how can there be a Big Bang? Yeah, that is a paradox, isn't it? There are a lot of paradoxes in science. Here's another one. The, the uh, formulas, the equations that run the universe run just as well forward and backward in, as, as backward in time. So you could run them with a, going backward in time or running forward in time, and they still govern the universe, which means time is not what we think, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And these paradoxes exist, continue to exist. Why is it that the quantum world is everywhere, we can't see it, and science says it doesn't govern our, our everyday big world of asteroids and cars and radio shows? Hmm. I don't know, but one day we will. Okay, and we have this question here. What do you think about people who are victims of alien abductions that seem to have missing time? Well, as I explained before, these time slips, right? Time slips, very common. I will say that when I have had experiences which were in which I was didn't seem didn't seem to be in my body, right? Time does not pass as normal. Mm -hmm. And I could have been away for, you know, for what I thought was traveling the universe for three hours and it's a moment. And I could have been away for uh, for what I thought was a moment and it was three hours. So, you know, back to alien abductions and all of that. I'm not sure about the abduction, but I do believe that something having to do with time manipulation would explain why if there are visitors from another planet here, we don't see them because they're much better at manipulating time than we are, yeah. which means they would be able to manipulate time and affect time for a human being who's not very good at manipulating time yet. That's what I would say about that. Okay, let's go ahead and take a look at our poll, see if we've moved any numbers here. And on the guest topic poll of your thought on time, we have uh, uh, well, still at the top of the list is time seems to vary in speed, uh, doesn't exist in the afterlife, and tied for uh, I want it to slow down. So some people want it to slow down, others have said it's never enough time. So hopefully after this interview here, people will be able to add some time or, or at least control it a little bit. Uh, <laughs> you know, there are, there are college courses, Lisa, of time management, right? Is, 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 it doesn't seem like your book is more, is, is like time management. It seems like it's more esoteric, so to speak. Well, you know, so time management is a, it's a, you know, a mundane thing of our everyday lives, right? And in fact, you said this early on, time is a linear construct created for this plane of existence. That explains a lot, just that, if that phrase, if that's true, right? I believe it's true. And so this plane of existence wouldn't, wouldn't include death and wouldn't include an afterlife, number one, right? It's a construct. We've created it. We've created it as linear, Right? When we step out of linear time, we're different and it is different. 
And I think that what it will take is changing our reference, changing our understanding of what time is and could be, and then engaging in a little practice. What the book does is it uses the explanation of certain brain waves, which I've studied extensively at brain institutes around the nation, where with brain electrodes on, I've generated different types of brain waves to confirm that they exist, and that my activity, which are the exercises in the book, generate those brain waves. Clearly, certain brain waves slow down time. Theta brain waves, a meditative state, right, slows mm -hmm. down time for sure. Mm -hmm. Delta brain waves, REM sleep. Gamma, which we don't know very much about, which, but which I personally experienced mm -hmm. with brain electrodes on. Right. So all of these things can be generated with practice. Mm -hmm. there, there's not a sleep called uh, Omicron sleep, is there? Omicron sleep, I don't know about that one, no. Okay. okay. All right. Hey, <laughs> the, the, the great philosophers... The birds uh, said in a, in a song that they wrote, uh, it was, a, it was a, a prophecy, turn, turn, turn. So the philosopher said, there's a time to be born, a time to kill, and a time to weep, a time to cast away stones, a time to embrace, a time to rent, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. So the philosophers, the great philosophers, the birds, if, <laughs> if you took any of those times, they seem like specific periods. So could we increase, say, the time of peace? and decrease the time of hate? Well, I think so. And I think, it, again, it's all about intention. Back to the quantum, uh, back to quantum mechanics, right? And so if the observer effect is real for physical phenomenon, which it's, of course, real for photons, and everybody on the show knows what that is, right? And so that's a double slit experiment. A, a, fo you know, a light source generates a photon. The photon's either a particle or wave get based upon whether it's observed. So does that... Does that apply to our physical reality of experiencing things? My, my theory is that it does. And so if we were to, and I actually do this every morning, Daniel, again back to the quantum ballet, I imagine my life as a peaceful experience of all of the things that I could possibly experience that doesn't include hate and doesn't include war. Does it mean that, quote, bad things won't happen? No. Does it mean that my relationship with them and how I, how I react to them when they do happen will be different? Yes, it does. And I believe that's how we can, that's how we can lengthen peace and reduce war, by, coming, by showing up in every moment in a way that we are in control of ourselves, we are in control of how we want to experience it in time, so that we show up in a, in a place of peace so that there is peace. Mm. Uh, some say that when you have pain, you are your most awake. Um, should then, and it seems that time is, everything is magnified. So is it possible to be that awake, What how pain produces that syndrome, without having pain? Can we get that awake? I believe there is. And so I heard a great phrase from a teacher uh, many, many decades ago called vital interest. Vital interest is a very interesting word. It means the moment before you descend into fear, which would be pain, the moment just before you descend into uh, pain, which would be unbearable. It's exactly as you just described. You are completely aware in every sense, and time is expanded infinitely in that moment. The real trick is, how do we bring that on for our lives and never descend into fear and not need the pain as the stimulus in order to remain in vital interest? How I do it is exercises in the book, focusing our awareness, and I actually use the term focused awareness, 
to become in vital interest with intention for our lives every day so that the net effect is every moment is the now moment mm-hmm. you're not you're not somehow mired in the past and you're not afraid of the future you're right here and now mm. well really that's all we have really is right here and now uh, i think that's all there is and i think we may you may have answered this but the question is is time finite or infinite what's your do, do we already answer that my, question my view is that it's infinite there's no beginning and no end. That's my mm-hmm. personal view based on my experience. The truth is, again, time is the reason why. Does anybody really know what time it is? The answer is no. Why? It's the biggest mystery in science. But my mm-hmm. experience would be that time is infinite. Okay. Is time quantitative or quanti- quantitative? Did I say that right? Quantitative or, or qualitative. Correct. Nice job. That's what I want to say. <laughs> So we do measure time as a quantity, right? We measure time with ticks in a clock and all kinds of things and quant- you know, atomic clocks. But the truth is that measurement of time is simply because something is moving. If the clock weren't moving, there wouldn't be any time on the clock. If nothing were moving, there would be no time. Mm-hmm. So time does have a quantitative aspect, but I believe it has a qualitative aspect as well. And that's our perception. The qualitative aspect is how we perceive things. When you are focusing on something to the exclusion of everything else, when you're holding your newborn for the first time, when you have a magical kiss, your first kiss, or it was just magical for some reason, there's a qualitative aspect to it. So I believe the answer is that it is both. There's a physical component, which is quantitative, and there is a perception component, which is qualitative. Okay. All right, Smoke C says, Lisa, what does it mean when you feel you... Feel your being or spirit leaving your body and you can't seem to control it. Well, I I happen to think that those experiences are gifts, right? And it's probably the same experience that we experience when the body dies. And I tell a story in the book, and it's a very personal story, and that was my mother at the end of her life. She knew that she was going to die. She had lung cancer. And we were Mm -hmm. at home. And um, she was very clinically minded. She was an economist by training. And I said to her mom, you know, I think when you die, you don't go anywhere. She knew I'd been working on this book. This is only a couple years ago. And she said, yeah, well, and I said, you know, when you die, and we, we had a pretty good idea that she would die that night. Oh. She did. And so uh, she, well, she was in her, she had, it was the end of her life and she was quite ill. And so I said, mom, so when, it, when you do die, why don't you see whether you can do something? And I said, you know, I think electricity is the easiest thing to manipulate. And the reason I say that, Daniel, is I've had many experiences with electricity. Touching a light bulb and it shatters when I'm in a particular state, right? Things go on and off. And not in a way that's scary, but in a way that got my attention. So she said, oh, I don't know. And I said, well, if it's not true, then, you know, then nothing happens. But if it is true, do something to let us know you're still here. So she died at uh, 2 a.m. that next morning, overnight. And uh, we were together with her in her home, and I was with her in her bedroom, I, my sister, my brother, who's a physician, and his wife were out in the living room. And then about two hours later, you know, we didn't call the coroner, there was no real reason to, we knew that this was going to happen. And about two hours later, around 4 a.m., I got an overwhelming sense that something was going to happen. And I'm pretty intuitive, so I got my sister up off the floor, we've been sleeping on the floor, and moved into the living room. At that moment, the radio next to her bed went on, full blast. Now, my brother had been there for a couple of days, and he said that radio's never gone on. It's not on a timer. So, number one, the radio goes on. The television resets itself. It, appear, it tries to go on, which my sister-in-law saw. So, the, te- the radio and the television, two electrical things, right? 
So we're a little rattled, but we're okay. And then we wake up in the morning and things happen and, you know, they, they take her away. And we drive to my brother's property, which is about 100 miles away. And we're sitting there and we're thinking about life. And he gets a phone call. And the phone call is from the MediAlert people because my mother had a pendant for emergencies. And they said, where is your mother? And my brother said, my mother is, has died. And she said, well, someone is depressing her pendant. And he said, well, it's, it's next to her bed. And it is next to her bed, and uh, the house is locked. So that uh, what had happened mm. was, you know, could we really explain that? My brother, who was a physician, was uh, had his worldview changed a little bit about where we go when we die, and maybe for a while we don't go anywhere. Mm. Wow. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, though. Uh, I was talking to the wife, and I said, hey, where do you want to go to eat? All of a sudden, the television came on. And Google starts saying, here's some suggestions. <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I said, that's it, man. That voice thing for Google is done, okay? It's, some people use done. Siri. But, man, I mean, just, it just come on. as The television just turned on and started talking to me. <laughs> so, I mean, so that's spooky enough, let alone if I got, you got buttons going off here. I see somebody in the live chat said um, um, that, uh, what did they say? Well, they deleted it. Okay, I was going to read that. All right, here we go. So let's get to another question. It says, uh, have you ever become totally conscious in your dreams, and did you get a rush of power knowing that you could do anything in your dreams? Yes and yes. And the power, again, is, you know, we talk about power, and so um, power can be both a, you know, a healthy thing and an unhealthy thing. I've never experienced power in a dream or in a conscious state which was not completely of love. Mm. I'll just put it that way, complete goodness. So, yes, I was infinitely powerful in a way that I was infinitely love and loving. Now, time can be a curse, too, as well. And uh, that is most certainly demonstrated in a, well, probably several Twilight Zone episodes. But one in particular was the one that talked about time. And then I think the title of it was uh, uh, Time Enough at Last with, with Burgess Meredith. Are you familiar with that show? You know, I'd have to think back to the, the original. Yeah, that's original, basically. Uh, there had been a nuclear war, and this librarian went to the library vault. He went in there to get a book, and the door accidentally shut. Then the world blew itself up, and then and then when he came out, the the, the city was blown up, and because uh, because he, he was safe because of that thing. <clears throat> and then um, he's looking around, and there's nobody there. Everybody's gone. And then he goes, "Wow, I finally got enough time." to read all the books I want. And then like your book here, Time Enough to Read. He had time enough to read. Finally, that's all he wanted his whole life. Time enough wow. to read. So nobody could bother him. Nobody could disturb him. He could read every book and he was looking at the books because the books were blown out of libraries. I want to read this one. I want to read that one. I want to read this one. He was so excited and he reached for a book and his glasses fell off and they broke. And he couldn't oh. see. So well, he, I, would have, I would have guessed actually that he was probably dead in that dream. So he actually died and had his had his wish. Well, that was that, that wasn't his dead. dream. Yeah. That, that that wasn't his dream. It turned out to be a nightmare. So he went to. Nightmare. So he, he had all the time now that he ever wanted. Unfortunately, he couldn't read. So oh, then, it, so he's all alone with no book to read. All right. So oh. so here we go. That's the way the Twilight Zone is. Okay. Um, Rose says, Lisa, who invented time? Well, so, you know, I happen to be believe my personal uh, beliefs are that uh, we are not alone and there is uh, there's a supreme creator being, which is all loving. And so if that's true and um, 
there's a wonderful phrase I heard to explain that, which is kind of a paradox, and that is, we're in a dream being dreamed by the ultimate dreamer. Isn't that a beautiful way to think about it? So, you know, there's an ultimate dreamer, and we're part of that ultimate dreamer's dream, <laughs> and we're dreaming in that ultimate dreamer's dream. <laughs> we're all part of it, but there is an ultimate dreamer. Hmm. Well, we, we the question was asked earlier, is there a beginning, is there an end? And then this question here was, who created it? And... Uh, uh, there is another verse in the Bible about time, really the kind of the final speaking on that. And then uh, looks like it's uh, Revelation 10, 6. And it says uh, that uh, God swear by him that liveth forever and ever who created heaven on all the things that are therein and the earth and the things that are therein in the sea and things that they're in that there should be time no longer. So it seems that that God has a finality that there there will be an end of time. But I think now that goes kind of one of the things in our poll question is time a human construct? Because it seems that when you look at the supreme being, God obviously operates outside of time. So there must be when because you talk about science, the only logical when you crank it down, who who invented this? Who invented you know where where did the aliens come from? Where did the Big Bang come from? Where did the material for the Big Bang come from? Who who initiated the Big Bang? You know, and these kinds you you, if you keep going back, you've got to come up, you've got to say, well, somebody made the stuff for the Big Bang. So there's got to be something. And the only scientific logical answer is there's something, someone, some creator being uh, that is beyond the scope of time and space and so there right there he says that there will be a time when time is no more and I guess in that case there we can all throw our uh, Fitbits away our wristwatches our cell phones and we won't need to check the time every every second all right <laughs> and that, that sounds like heaven to me Lisa all right let, let's get to this question here um, now you you this is a question it says you appear to be fascinated with time does it bother you when people waste time so you know it is no it doesn't because um, every everyone can lead their life in their in their best most possible you know fashion that they would like to but I will comment though and that is the book was still being written while the pandemic was beginning and going into it and so I lived in New York for many years I consider myself a New Yorker being busy was a badge of honor right how busy you mm -hmm. were meant you were important Mm -hmm. as though every minute were a hundred dollars and you wouldn't waste even one of them and you're just busy 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 boom then everything stops what happened people are burned out bummed out overwhelmed hopeless and helpless why they lost their relationship to time they lost the meaning in their life due to time and so what does kind of make me sad is that people are so defined by their schedules that they lose a sense of what is what life could really be about because they're so highly scheduled and they miss the point of living that makes me sad hmm. so if you were to suggest to somebody three things they can do on a daily basis to see how's your book, book put it to have all the time in the world what what three things could a person do tomorrow to uh, to increase their time or their experience of time well, I, I know them because I do them every day for okay. the last many decades. Number one, at the end of the day, there's a, there are many ancient mystical traditions and, and separating day from night in a form of prayer or a form of meditation or something is very common, right? So you live your daytime and then before you go into the evening, you do something special. I happen to be a meditator. So in my evening meditation, which is, which is a form of prayer and is prayer, but it's also meditation and, and the practices in my book, I pick something in my day that didn't go well or that I'm afraid won't happen the way I want it to. So imagine uh, I really need a check to come and the check didn't come today. 
And so in my evening meditation, I use something in the book called reversing, which is a practice in the book, where I focus on that experience and I live it to its extreme ridiculous degree and then I reverse it so that it doesn't happen that way in my, in my own guided med- meditation. I reverse the ending of something bad that happened, right? And the reason I do that is it removes the fear that it won't happen. So again, what this book is about is this book is about it answers the question or considers the question, does how we show up in every moment affect our experience of that moment? So what I've just done is I've removed my fear that the check won't come or the baby won't be born or my loved one won't say yes when I ask him or her to marry him, whatever. That's number one. Number two, between the times of the hours of 3 a.m. and 5 a.m. in the morning, I know it's early, I do some, uh, some other work, which is also in the book, which is I create a future experience. I pick an experience up to six, and I live them as though they've already happened. So imagine you want, you're, you're auditioning for a television show, you're auditioning for a part, and you really want to be selected. You want to get a grant, you want to get the job, you want the house to be available. I pick an experience, and I create it as though it's already happened. And very often, it's the experience I was afraid wouldn't happen in my evening meditation. So let's say I'm afraid I won't get the job I really want. Mm -hmm. At 6 o'clock in the evening, I reverse the experience that I didn't get the job, and I did get the job in this guided meditation, which is in the book. Between 3 and 5 a.m., I live an experience where I already have the job. Mm -hmm. And then, before I get up in the morning, I create my entire day from beginning to end. Before I, I, my eyes, I've, I've opened my eyes and I've realized that I'm awake, but before I do anything, before I turn the lights on or do anything else, I live my entire day. And so today I live the day of doing some things and I wanted to work out, I had a proposal to write, I'm here with you on this experience, you know, on this wonderful show, I'm gonna go to dinner. Live my entire day as though I'm a movie watching the screen all the way through from beginning to end and then I close my eyes in this guided meditation and I rest for a moment and then I get up and live my day. If someone does those three things, all of which are in the book, you will have all the time in the world. You will have removed fear. You will have shown up in the next moment the way you want to show up. You will have slowed down time so you can live the day on your terms and truly you will have mastered time. Hmm. Okay, well those are some good tips right there. Let's get some more questions. Um, Oh, by the way, it, it, it just dawned on me where you were speaking because there's so many euphemisms about time. You know, well, that was a waste of time. But uh, it seems that let's just say you went for that job interview and you didn't get it. Okay, and, and you would say, well, that was a waste of time. Well, you never really know because that interview could have polished you up of how you presented yourself, how you presented your resume, who you met there. Uh, they may yet even after you're denied may go back and see your resume and reverse that but so what i'm saying and that's just the job type thing so isn't it really that there's really when you do something there's it's really not a waste of time because something is always happening it's kind of like the pebble in the lake there are waves that are being created and movements that are being made and things that are changing people places and times because you moved isn't that isn't that correct so isn't there no such thing really as a waste of time I, I completely agree. And so back to the quantum ballet. You want what you want, and I want what, you, what I want, and there's a wonderful ballet in the world and the universe. There is no mistake. 
and there is no waste of time and there's nothing that was not worth doing or experiencing or happening even when someone dies right there's a perfection in everything that actually happens and I think when you live when you live life that way then you truly do master time and you're able to master yourself hmm. okay and the questions can continue to pile in um, Rose says, doesn't it say in the Bible, God knew you before you were born? That shows right there, someone is controlling time and the world. I would agree. Again, we're in a dream being dreamed by the ultimate dreamer. So, <laughs> something's going on. Okay. Well, here, now, here's something. This, I think, is what I was going to say earlier. This is from Mishcom. It says, my dad's sidelight by his bed kept turning on for three days after he passed. Yeah, it would not surprise me. Again, back to phase. So imagine my mother. She, she uh, passed out of her body. She was slightly out of phase. She might, be, she might be able to see things. I have been out of body and sometimes been able to see things, sometimes not. But clearly you're here and not here at the same time. And, but I do believe electricity is very easy to manipulate, very easily done. And that's why we may see things that we think are poltergeists or, or you know, spiritual uh, spirits out there. It's really people who might be in and around us all the time mm. able to somehow affect electricity. Well, I do know this, that a lot of ghost hunters claim that uh, they have batteries drained out of their equipment anytime they go hunting. By the way, the people watching this program, if you're watching the YouTube channel or you're watching from a website like Mishcom, if you had an event similar to that, like um, uh, a notification uh, that somebody knows you're there from the afterlife or may just passed, just put a one-liner in there, we'll, and we'll take a look at that. All right, we have another question for you. It says, is it true that nothing exists Nothing exists until time gives it a place to exist? Is this why time is like a fabric that threads physical existence? Well, time is certainly a palette on which physical existence occurs. In some sense, no matter. If there's no matter, there's no time. And if there's no time, there's no matter. Hmm. So that's space-time right yeah so the answer is okay. yes in some sense for sure okay uh our d this is from brian ewing says lisa are d wave quantum computers based on quantum physics you know I, I i can't really dive into quantum physics to that degree you'd have to shed some more light on that i do know that quantum computers are certainly part of the fabric of how we're computing today Mm -hmm. And the, the ability to do things in a nonlinear fashion, again, back to quantum, where you're using entanglement and you're using, you know, the randomness and you're using, uh, you know, the Schrodinger effect, allow mm -hmm. us to quantum compute in a way that is much faster than our current linear computing. Mm -hmm. um, you think AI will eventually be able to speed time up on its own or slow it down? You know, it's interesting. And so, um, so what is it? Remember we talked about the brain? So mm -hmm. the brain, which can be exp explained in terms of cellular functions and neurochemical interactions, but it doesn't explain human consciousness, mm -hmm. which that is greater yeah. than just the sum of the parts. Mm -hmm. right. So AI would have to be conscious for that. So can the sum of the parts of a machine become conscious? We wondered this for, you know, 100 years. It's the, it's the source of many, many famous stories, right? Mm -hmm. many, many famous scientific science fiction stories. I think that if it gets to that point where it gets to consciousness, sure it can, because we can. Mm -hmm. I think consciousness can, can manipulate time, mm -hmm. whether it comes from a machine which became conscious or whether it comes from a human being. Yeah, there's a... A strange passage in the Bible, I believe it was in the book of Revelation, and it says that talking about the beast, and it says that people 
gave power unto the beast that it may, may both see and speak and power was given unto it and so I know that AI scientists around the world are trying to get AI to have consciousness and my feeling on that Lisa is there is not never the, the humans can't put in empathy because um, because it's you know digit based and so let's say well we have so much food and so many people well so many people gotta gotta go you know and so they'll just do the math the AI would seem like it do the math because it can't have that conscious in there but it sounds like this beast thing somebody's going to give it control anyway and it's going to they're going to say you know you can start eliminating people they're going to say well well the the computer said that we didn't say that the computer said it's best <laughs> this, this is the, they just blame the computer man well right. yeah, that's a that's a you know, I would say in some Ooh. sense a beast, a beast is fear. When you feed fear, it grows larger, right? So mm -hmm. we need to, the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is fear. So first, number one, don't feed fear. Mm -hmm. And number two, Daniel, there is a great phrase. It's called the heart in humanity. And that is, it really is compassion. And babies are born with natural compassion. And so we have, there's an ability for human beings to be compassionate to one another that transcends space and time that I really do think is special. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure it would translate to a consciousness which might come from a machine, although uh, we don't know yet. Mm -hmm. Which is really why I like a, a part of our program. And see, our show, our show actually starts at eight. It's like there's an intro and then there's something we call the bear report and then the ranting points for me. And then we get to your, the guest part at 8.30. But the bear report in particular is because uh, those reports are from basically good headlines of people doing good things, which is, goes to your point about being compassionate. Really, you could call it the compassionate uh, broadcast at that point because just stories of people giving and helping and it's really uplifting. And when that happens, you forget about when you start hearing good, positive stories, you really start forgetting about time. So that's good time thing right there. Then, then you hear, well, well, you know, uh, the stock market just crashed and your 401k just, just vaporized. Then the fear comes in and time, like you just said, goes the other way. So we've got to, we've got to mediate, mediate the, that we've got to accentuate the positive and then lessen the negative, you know, like the like the story, the bear necessities. That's said. right. Bassam was well, back, he was a he was a prophet. The the right. bear. Back, back to the three things you can do, right? You can reverse that which is negative. You can create that which is a positive, wonderful experience, right? And you can live your day as though it's all actually already happened. Hmm. That's how you can do that. Okay, uh, Max says, Lisa, have you heard of making a dream body from? constant conscious dreaming that is as physical as your flesh body so while you sleep you can be about your daily business well that sounds fantastic uh, no I really haven't and I've had a lot of experiences with those types of things I would say though that there are ancient mystical traditions and I've mentioned that before hmm. if you want to read about that I would read a book called rainbow painting about Buddhism about a Buddhist practice which is ancient Buddhism which uh, in which dreaming and the ability to meditate and manifest a non-physical body are part of Buddhism in a mm. way that is um, believed to be true. I can only say that. And so if anything is close to that, it would be called rainbow painting out of Buddhism. Mm. Well, that's about the only type of rainbow I could stand right there. Let's get it. There's a nice question. It says, what, was there ever a time when time never existed? 
I don't think, again, it's a personal belief with time being the biggest mystery in science, right, in physics today. I do not believe there's a beginning or an end to time. Mm -hmm. And here's an, an experience in that is I've had many experiences of the void. The void is where I am, uh, I, it's, it's an out-of-body type experience, but there's nothing, although mm -hmm. I am conscious. So imagine there's nothingness, and you're not, I'm not afraid. One is not afraid, I'm not afraid. And I know other people have had this experience as well. And so there's nothingness, and nothingness is the same as everythingness, mm. right? Mm -hmm. So it's in a sense, it's a God experience. <clears throat> now, there wasn't someone there with me, but it was truly a timelessness, which I believe is at the heart of consciousness and what we think of as God. Mm -hmm. So if that's true, then time would not have a beginning or an end. Mm -hmm. Well, there's another paradox right there. But and if an atheist dies, will will he even know that he's dead? <laughs> I don't know about that. I may again, may, maybe back to phase. And you know, I do. You well, know, there is there's something I say to people who are, who are very skeptical and I think to myself or maybe even say every now and then you know the moment after you take your last breath you're going to be very surprised <laughs> well we got some we got some shows coming up about life after breath as a matter of fact uh, that's synchronicity all right uh, what smoke smoke says um, what would happen to our perception of time if we simply ignored all forms of timekeeping and clock watching let me check my watch too by the way I gotta see what time it is okay go ahead <laughs> well, I practically speaking do that, and I use the word practically speaking. You know, there's it's going back in time, right, and, and wondering about stories. There's a story that one reason why clocks were invented in Europe was so that trains wouldn't run into each other. Now, if that's true, that is a really practical application of a clock. So I would see clocks have a practical application. With that said, the more we can remove that, and simply rely on the practicality of it for, you know, for just the basics that we need in life if you do need to be somewhere. Mostly, I completely remove time from the equation. And I go through my life again, like the quantum ballet. It's mm -hmm. a wonderful dance. I'm mm -hmm. in through my day. I did have to be here, and I did have a, my, my friend Andy, the handyman, left one minute before this show. Mm -hmm. With that said, everything happened in perfect timing. Mm -hmm. So, so I'm 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 looking. Uh, I'm am doing some ancestry checking. You know, see where my great mm -hmm. lineage comes from. See see what kind of kings and uh, and presidents is in my in my lineage. And I can say, by the way, that uh, um, I have a relative that connects me way down the line with. Uh, uh, Ann Dunham, which is Obama's mother, so I did find that out. But as I'm as I'm looking as I'm looking at the lineage, and I see this person here, this date, and this date, and this date, I said, you know, they died. And but when you look in the graph, it's like, man, these people died all the time. And and I, I kind of get this internal feeling thing. I better get on it, man, because you know I'm going to be on that. I'm going to be in that tree. Somebody's going to be looking me up, you know. So I got things I got to do. I need more time, Lisa. I got all kind of stuff I got to do before I get it. Before I get in that in that tree. Well, then practice the three things: reverse what's negative in the evening, in a in a you know in a prayer or in a meditation between you know between the hours of six and eight p.m. Right? Just take a little moment to be thankful, to meditate, and reverse something you think is negative that you pick out of your day around the time of 3 to 5 a.m. which in most mystical traditions including Kabbalah, ancient Christianity, India, Buddhism it's a very very prophetic time the time of the prophets mm. 
So if you can wake yourself up, do not turn the lights on, mm -hmm. but simply go through one of the meditations. And by the way, a guided meditation for doing that is on my website under mm -hmm. bonuses. So, so how so download that website? So how is it that witches own a particular hour? They, you know, there's the the witching hour. How come they get a whole hour? How do they get to make that I claim? I think that's just a phrase. I will say though that things do pass differently at night. Do things do happen differently at night? There's a different sense, and so. It is, a, I would say one reason is back to brain chemistry. Your brain during the day is fighting the saber-toothed tiger of your life, right? And so back to our ancient, our ancient past, and that is you have your fear, you know, you have fears during the day, you have concerns, you have anxieties, you have pressures, you're up against it. Once you dream for a little bit and you're asleep for about three to three and a half hours, that's the general thought at the Monroe Institute who studies sleeping and dreaming all the time. You know, about three hours, so you go to bed at 10 and it's 1 or 2 in the morning, or you go to bed at midnight and it's 3 a.m., your brain is different. And in, in, in Buddhism, they call this the time of the void, the dreams of the void. Between 3 and 5 a.m., 5 or 6, when you wake up, is a very special time because I believe it has to do with brain chemistry. And so it may not be the time of the witches, but it can be the time of the prophets, where you can have wonderful prophetic dreams, you can create things you want for your life, and okay. you can uh, you can have mystical experiences. Ooh, uh, but let me ask them though. A chapter uh, eight of your book says trauma reverse to past. Does that affect time? Well, and so the reason I talk about that is first of all, remember the the exercise I just gave, which is mm -hmm. around you know in the evening, pick something that you want to reverse. It's exactly the exercise on which this chapter is based. Mm -hmm. But in quantum mechanics, right? It has been proven that the present can affect the past and the future can affect the present. These are principles of quantum mechanics. So scientifically speaking, for the very tiny world of quantum, right, right. it is true that the present could affect the past. You could ch go back literally and change the past mm -hmm. in the present. Mm. For us in our practical sense, I think the best we can do is go back and change how we feel about it right? Mm -hmm. If you needed to change the past, you would go back and change something that happened, how you feel about it, for this very practical reason. Because how you show up in the next moment will be different. Again, back to the central question of the book, does how we show up in the moment in our minds affect our experience of life and in particular time? Mm -hmm. And so if we can do those two things, we can actually use the present to affect the past. Uh, we mentioned earlier in the broadcast the, 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 the prophet's the birds talking about time. Uh, there's a time for a lot of different things. But then there's a, the prophetess. There's a prophetess out there, uh, Carly Simon, and in her song or, or her, her her uttering her utterings, um, anticipation. She said anticipation was making her late. So is is, is does she not have good time management there? Can anticipation actually well, cause us to be late? I would say actually, I would think anticipation would slow down time. Right. Remember, mm -hmm. time, t the, the rate of time we experience depends on what we focus on and how we focus. If I'm anticipating something by staring at a clock face and watching the second hand mm -hmm. move, time would move very slowly. Mm -hmm. So she, you know, I think the song uh, lyrics were great, but uh, I wouldn't agree with uh, her, her uh, conclusion. So I had a near-death experience in my rough and rowdy past youth, driving a motorcycle down an alley about 30 miles an hour, hit gravel. I'm going sideways. I'm about ready to crash, and who knows what would happen. As I'm almost hitting the ground, time seemed to stand still. 
yes. sort of like rush when they say time stands still. Was it possible that my mind could freeze time in a, in, well, in a situation like that, in a crisis situation? I so. And so what I have in the book are, the, you know, the book has story, real-life stories of people who have experienced this, I have personally. And so it, there's something that appears to happen in the brain when someone is in a state of danger who does not descend into fear. They're different. Fear speeds up time. The brain on danger, I believe, puts you in a flow state that slows down time. And so, Daniel, the experience where you would have time seem to stand still is actually very common for these danger experiences. People in car crashes, people in, there's a, a story of a, a friend of mine who's a police chief now. Well, he was a, a police officer, a narcotics agent in Los Angeles. A gunfight with slowed down bullets where, you know, a, a scientist might explain that it's simply how the brain perceives time. But in all of these cases, people were so aware of time that they were able to change their physical surroundings in order to protect themselves. Mm -hmm. So if it's just a question of the brain trickery, why were they able to move out of the way of the steering column in the car crash, move out of the way of the bullet, do mm -hmm. this, do that? Mm -hmm. I believe the brain really does get into a different stage, a different brainwave state, and that may have happened to you during your accident. Mm -hmm. um, been doing this program since 2004, thousands of interviews, had numbers of people with near-death experiences, and a common thread that I've heard over the years is that when people have a near-death experience, many of them say that their life flashed before them or their life was played before them. But they always indicate that when they when that happens and in in, where they go, it says they, they were shown their life, they went over their life 50, 50, 60 years in seconds. Is that and, right. and they and they saw the whole life. So isn't that showing that time is completely different on the other side? <laughs> well, completely different on the other side, or completely different positive. You know, uh, completely different period. And so here's some theories of time. Do we live in a block universe where everything exists all at once? That what you just described would be a block universe. So remember, one of my favorite movies is Interstellar, Michael yeah. McConaughey, right? Yeah, like and it. so he's he's trapped behind the bookcase. Why? Because it's a block universe. Every moment is a moment in time. That's also loop quantum gravity, which uh, which I happen to really subscribe to as a theory of time. So do we live in a block universe where everything exists all in one moment and it's just a block of time and you can move them around? Mm -hmm. Is there a chronology protection? where you couldn't go back and kill your own grandfather, right? Because mm -hmm. then you wouldn't exist. Or is there a multiverse where every moment births a new timeline mm -hmm. going forward in parallel, but all slightly different? Mm -hmm. These are all valid theories of time. The truth is, we don't know if time branches with every moment. We don't know if if time exists as a block and it's all at once, right? Mm -hmm. there, are an infinite, there, there are an infinite number of possibilities. What we can know is we can know our experience of time so that we can better control it for ourselves to do what you just said, slow down time, live your life the way you'd like to live it on your terms, experience the good and the bad, know that whatever happens in time is happening in a sense of perfection. Mm -hmm. And there, there are those that claim that we are where we are, That and as one of the writers said earlier, the Bible says it in the scripture that before you were born, God knew you as if you already existed. So and in that context, people have suggested that we are inserted into this time. You are, you and I are inserted into this time at this point. We weren't ins we weren't inserted 1930, 1890, 1760. So every you know they suggest that people are inserted at the time that 
and I don't know, some people suggest that we select it up there where we're discussing with, with God before we're born, where we want to go, or that he, being infinite wisdom, saying, I need you, this is where the time for you. What do you think about right. that? Well, you know, and so there's a very famous book, Tucker's book, on the past lives of uh, children and their past lives, right? So a child who, who uh, was born today but has all the memories of Joe, you know, of Joe DiMaggio or a famous baseball player or someone back mm. in historical period that they could not have known about because they're four years old and they can't read yet. And so that's the, that's the insertion theory, mm -hmm. that somehow we're inserted. Mm -hmm. And maybe some sort of uh, memory erasure happens where we don't remember a prior life, or maybe we do. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there is something, you know, there's an infiniteness to human experience. Again, back to my experiences of the void. It really causes me to let go of a fear that, that nothingness means death. I think that nothingness means closer to God. In some sense, right? These experiences where it may not be what we think it might be in terms of a heaven, mm -hmm. but that consciousness is truly eternal and infinite, and we become part of it. Yeah, I was uh, refer referring back to my ancestry uh, excavation, shall I say? I, my 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 father's name is Edward F. Ott Jr., and so I found him, and then uh, I, I knew it was him because it said it has a son named Thomas Allen Ott, who's married to a Sherry who have a son unfortunately those things are all true but that wasn't my dad and that wasn't my brother and that wasn't his wife it was somebody with really? the, three people with the exact same name and i'm freaking out i'm thinking wait a minute how could this possibly be i mean you know i, I realize there's chance but maybe there's not chance you know i'm i'm I, I i threw chance out the door years ago because i feel like life has more way more meaning than we ascribe to it and things that seem so insignificant and trivial really are part of a master a masterpiece of life web and so uh you know when i saw that i i, I was um sort of taken aback I, I, I would well say. so are you familiar with the twin experiments going back to the 60s the 50s and 60s no. so identical twins separated ended up choosing spouses with the same names naming their children the same having the same experiences separated never met one another but they were followed as part of an experiment hmm. so there is something to all of that you know that may be the, the again the theory in quantum mechanics that conscious the consciousness is non-local Mm -hmm. So consciousness is not emanating out of you or me. Consciousness is everywhere. Mm -hmm. In some sense, an inanimate object has con consciousness. So let's say a rock has consciousness because a rock can grow and decay. It can accrete dirt and it can mm -hmm. de decay dirt, it can, right? It can vibrate, too. It can vibrate, too. It can vibrate. Yeah, it can vibrate, too, based on heat. So a plant has all the consciousness of a mineral or a rock, but it can seek food and digest food, right? Plants, and plants have feelings, too. If you build out a plant, you would know that. Animals can do everything rocks and, and plants can do, and they definitely have feelings, right? Humans have all of that, and humans can do one thing which seems to be unique, but we're not sure yet. Humans have a consciousness which allows them to seek to become. So my cat, Al, can't really choose to be the best cat in the world. I don't think. Maybe he could, but you can seek to be the best cosmic cowboy there ever was, and I can, be, can seek to be the best person. So there seems to be a difference, but in some sense, Daniel, it's all consciousness. Mm. Okay, well, we're getting near the end of broadcast. There's a couple quick, quick questions here. Um, is it possible to regress in time to re-experience everything that's happened in a particular time and space in your life? Well, actually, I cover that in my book, and that's reversing. 
where to go back in time, let's say someone had a very traumatic event. They were abandoned as a child. They got lost as a child. Most, you know, very many traumatic events like mine happen before the age of seven. But let's say something happens for someone and it's holding them back. And I tell two stories. One story was of a young man who was a bartender who served a drink to someone and she drove away and died. And another was of a girl who was, uh, who was abused as a child. And so both of these had these experiences which they didn't realize were holding them back in their present life. What we did is we regressed back, which is a very common clinical practice, where they relive the experience but they change the ending. Now, in quantum mechanics, you, the, pe the present can change the past. Can we really change the fact that the woman didn't die, who the bartender served the drink to? No. But we can definitely change how he feels about it. Because again, back to the premise of the book, we want to show up in the next moment as our best possible self, not hampered by our fears, our experiences, our traumas of the past. And we can let them go by going back, by doing the regression that the, uh, that the caller uh, asked about, changing it so that we can show up in the next moment in our best possible way. Hmm. Okay. Uh, here's uh, Freely Speaking says, Lisa, what do the lines on the palms of our hands have to do with time? Uh, Psalms 139... 13 speaks about this. You know, honestly, I don't know. What I would say is there's so much. First of all, the Bible is an amazing, amazing book, right, with tremendous wisdom in it. And I think we can find wisdom in it in all kinds of ways. And we may not know what the significance of a particular passage is in our time frame, but it may mm -hmm. have had actual physical or even scientific significance in the past. The truth is I don't know but they may certainly mm -hmm. be related. Yeah, isn't, don't, don't palm readers, <clears throat> isn't there something on your on your hand they call the lifeline? Uh, and if I guess if you have a long one, you have a long life. Now, here here's the thing. I went fishing, and uh, I fell some rocks, man, and I cut that lifeline. <laughs> so ah. so I'm, I'm really glad that that might just be be a myth, but, you know, because I could have cut something short there. I'm still here. And I got a lot of living left to do, like Dirks Bentley does too. He got a lot well, of living left to do. But so you know, I mean, so is, is, is that just made up stuff? Well, so back to phase, right? So imagine, so phase, the two flutes. Imagine some people have a better antenna for for being able to perceive future events in time or events that we think of as future, but maybe all time exists at once. So maybe the palm reader is simply using your palm as a tool. And they simply have a better antenna for being able to perceive time that hasn't happened yet and are able to say things to people which may seem like a prophecy. But the truth is, they are, they are out of phase. They are able to perceive time, and again back to the block theory of time where everything happens in every moment and there's only the now moment. Maybe they're able to, because of their special antenna, know things about the future that other people don't know and they're just using your palm. Mm. All right, uh, final question. Let's go with this one here. Uh, how is time related to vibration, and how can time be influenced with vibrations? Well, you know, Nikola Tesla, if you want to think about the universe, think in terms of frequency and vibration, right? It really is all of that. Back to the wave, right? Mm -hmm. Back to amplitude and frequency, right? Mm -hmm. So frequency, amplitude, vibration, waves of time, phase. I think when we begin, when we master time, when we're able to master time as humanity, our whole world will open up to us. Fear of scarce resources, fear of dying, all of these things. Mm -hmm. If you knew that nothing and no one ever died, and simply when you died you were in a different phase, would you be at all afraid? 
Mm. I think we're going to be we're, we're going to discover things that are beyond our imagination and wonderful things that are waiting for us. And it does have everything to do with frequency and vibration. Mm. Well, um, unfortunately, Lisa, we are out of time. Well, uh, <laughs> we've had a wonderful time. We've had a wonderful time, but we're out of time. Uh, so it's time to say goodbye. So we, this is all kinds of time things here going on. Uh, anyway, tell, how people how can how can people get this book? Well, so on the internet, Lisa Broderick and LisaBroderick.com. You know, if, if you Google that, I'm sure you'll find me. I'm on all social media, and so uh, Twitter, Facebook, all of the regular social handles, all my name. The book is all the time in the world, and if you Google that, you'll find that, and av- available at all major booksellers. Okay. Well, Lisa Broderick, I appreciate you coming on the Edge broadcast tonight. Daniel, it has been an honor, and it has been spectacularly enjoyable, just like I imagined. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on, then. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Take care. Good night. Bye-bye.